reading from chapter 3 of the epistle of Peter, beginning with verse 13. Now who will harm you if you're eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which He also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to Him. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Jesus is speaking, reading from chapter 14 of the gospel according to John, beginning with the 15th verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, because He abides with you and He will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see Me, but you will see Me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in My Father and you in Me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
I don't know that it was in John's mind to specifically consider baptism as a commandment of Christ for us to keep, but I do know that Jesus' giving of what we know as the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is in the imperative mood. It's the same mood that your mother used when she said, Get to your room! Meaning that the language in itself is in the form of a command. Go, make disciples, Jesus says. Making disciples is then one of Jesus' commands for His church that we will keep if we love Him. How shall we make disciples? He says, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In the text I read from John's Gospel, Jesus says rather plainly, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In my thinking, that must include this imperative to make disciples. And so we can also say that all of us who are trusting Christ to save them, people who believe that we are saved by faith in Christ alone, should strive to keep the commands in Scripture in order to honor God the Son who is incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth, who says to us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Some of those... Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do not keep a grudge. Honor your mother and your father. If we love the one who is the living word, the one by whom, for whom, and through whom all things in this creation were made, we can truly desire to keep to holiness We can truly desire to obey His commands, listen to this, for the sole purpose of loving Him in that way. I dare say that none of us would honor a mother who only told us, I love you, but never showed us that she loved us. Because they show us that they love us, we honor them. Has Jesus not shown us that He loves us? We seek to honor Him, not so that we can be saved, but because He is saving us. This would include, strangely enough, making disciples through baptism. This text that we read from Peter goes pretty well with that first line in John's text. Because it reminds us that being eager to do good isn't of itself a good thing. Our belief so well stated that we are saved by grace through faith is not in conflict with a heart having the desire to keep the Lord's commandments simply because we love Him. In Ephesians 2, 8-10 we read this, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, meaning you don't get to go to heaven because you get enough checks in the good column. We're clear on that. 
so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, not your workmanship or your mama's workmanship or anybody else's workmanship. But if there is good in you, it is because the living God has been at work in your life so that you can honor God in this way. Listen, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, our Lord said. It is fitting that God has freed us from death and sin through the resurrection of His Son, not so that we might be free in and of ourselves to do whatever we want to do and simply be forgiven for it, but to be free in Christ. And so we say in the prayer of confession, in our communion liturgy, we ask of God to free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it seems right that the Holy Spirit and Peter would write to encourage us with these words. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. And why are you blessed? Because you are honoring Christ. Christ can be honored in wellness and in sickness, in goodness and in suffering, because we do it for Him. So He says, do not fear what others fear. Do not be frightened, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Christ is the rightful object of our transformed and freed heart's desires. For as John 4.19 reminds us, we love Him because He first... What? Do y'all know the rest? Look at them good Methodists. We loved him because he first? Oh, yeah. And how do we know he loved us? Because he died for us. It's pretty easy math, isn't it? We love him because he loved us. And if we loved him, he says, you will keep my commands. With his own blood, he purchased us for God. While we were still sinners, He died for us, embraced death, even the humiliation of death on a cross. For us and for our salvation, He authored and perfected our faith. And for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, dying outside the city as a prophet who had been shamed. But He scorned that shame for the joy set before Him, which, dear ones, was us. To give us freedom in Him. So Paul reminds us in Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. We love because He first loved us. And how is it that we have been crucified with Him? It's because we have been made one with Him. Remember when you shared that good news with each other a little while ago? 
Didn't it make you feel good? We have been made one with Him and one with each other through our baptism and the sacrament of Holy Communion. This is not just a bath. It is an instrument that God uses to kill you to yourself and raise you to new life in Christ and join you to one another and to Christ. It is not a simple rite of passage. It is not a meaningless ceremony. It is the beginning of life. Your life did indeed begin in the water of your mother's womb, but your real life begins in the water of the font of baptism. Because until then, you were dead in your sin. It's through faith and baptism that we are in Christ. And whom else should we set the fidelity of our hearts? To whom else should we turn our affections? It was Peter, after all, who said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, where else should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we know that you are the Holy One of God. And this Holy One of God says to us, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And commands us to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all of His commandments, to love God, to love one another, to love one another as He has loved us, to honor our mother and father, to keep life before us and not death. I've lost my place in my manuscript. It's why I hate using one. But I was trying not to make the signal to Facebook pop today. (laughs) What did he tell us that he wishes us to do, dear ones? What did this Lord who gave himself us ask of us? This one who has the words of eternal life. What horrible things have he asked for us to do? To cheat our lives in doing. He has asked us to have the horrible thing in us of loving the one who created us. Is that a horrible thing, dear one, for you to love the Lord your God who created you and gave you breath? No. Does it offend you to love your neighbor? Does it make you miserable to love another person as Christ has loved you? Will it possibly make you miserable to see another person grow up in Christ and become a disciple who serves life instead of serving death like the rest of the world? Will it ruin your life to give yourself 15 minutes of time to bring in a young one beside you and saying Jesus loves you? We're not chopping toes off if you volunteer to help with Vacation Bible School, by the way. No fingers are required, just a heart that wants to serve the risen Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and make disciples. There's no way around this, dear ones. To love Christ is to serve Christ. To serve Christ is to love Christ. It may be bad news to you, but I promise you, if you embrace it, it will quickly become good news because it is all that life needs. I hear people say, I'm not happy. It's because you're looking for happiness in other things. The only happiness that comes for us is the happiness that comes from being made with one with Christ and one with Christ's people. Until then, we will never be content. But we will chase after the commandments of the world. Serve thyself first. Have what you wish. 
Today, we bring Collins Lane to be submitted to Christ, to be his disciple. And in bringing her, we embrace Peter's call and acts. Listen to what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to be freed. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for everyone over 18 who understands baptism. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. Oh, did y'all know that? You don't have to understand that for it to be powerful. Why? Because God does it. What is it? What did Peter say? It's for you and your little ones. Oh. In this baptism, Collins is made righteous. For as Paul says, as many of you as were baptized have put on Christ. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Any baptized people in here today want to raise their hand? You have put on Christ. Is that good news to you? I hope so. They might give you a cake and candles on one of your birthdays, but the one that matters is the one when God plucked you out of the jaws of sin and death through this water. To the Roman church, Paul said, we died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Meaning, I'm dead already. I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to go through it. But I'm already dead in Christ. I'm dead to this world and alive in Jesus. Listen to what Paul says. If we were baptized into Him, we were baptized into His death. If we are buried with Him through baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too will live a new life. Being freed, is it just a bath? Are we here for a mere right to dunk a kid and move on? Are we here to act like this has no bearing on her future or on our life together? How dare we? Think that all that mattered was the preacher did something cute today. The power and majesty of God are at work. New birth is happening here today. So Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The people that we lost this weekend are alive to God in Christ Jesus because they were baptized into Him. And we have the promise of Titus 3.5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So Peter says to us, baptism now saves you. Out of love and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ, we remember our own baptism and the promises given to us and bring Collins Lane Hensley to receive that same baptism, those same promises in the same Lord who loved her first. And I ask you, church, will you raise her to love Him in return?
We rest in the promise of Scripture that her sin will be forgiven. And that your sin is forgiven. We rest in the promise that she will be clothed in righteousness. And that we are clothed in righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. We rest in the promise that she comes here to die to herself and be raised to new life in Jesus. As we have been raised to new life in Jesus. Not to go on as we always were. To be conformed in Him. To be transformed into a people who have holiness of heart and life. Who love Jesus because He loved us. Oh, y'all playing the game with the preacher. Does any of this seem like bad news to you? Does any of this seem like a horrible demand that God is making upon you? You love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, and dear ones, when she comes today, she is given victory in Christ. Because Christ has victory. Just as you have been given victory in Christ. You may be under some oppression that I have no idea is going on in you. Some of you may even feel like death itself is clawing at your back. But dear ones, there will never be defeat for you. Because Christ has victory. And through baptism, you are in Christ. How shall we ever say, The preacher did a cute thing today and put water on that little girl. When what really is about to happen is the magnificent glory of God is about to be seen. We bring her remembering the promise of God through Peter. And baptism now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Dear ones, after we celebrate the sacrament of baptism for Collins Lane, and as we sing that final hymn, and even after the worship is ended, I would encourage you to come forward and touch the waters and the font. Remember your baptism and be thankful. You can do what I do. I dip my thumb in it and I mark a little cross on my head. You can just touch it with your finger. Either during that hymn or after. Remember that you, dear ones, were not given a bath, but you, dear ones, were ushered into the kingdom of God and made one with Christ. Amen.